I'm Danielle. And I'm Christy. And you are listening to Snacks with Stein. Let's do it. Welcome to an actual real life episode of Snacks with Stein. And by that, I mean we're actually reading a book and we're not watching TV and we're not blabbering to each other as much. So welcome. <laughs> as Happy much. New Year. We make no Happy promises. New Year. Yeah, no promises on the blabbering, but it's not an episode dedicated to blabbering. Right. Correct. At least. Mm-hmm. It's a new year. So, Christy, how's 2022 so far? It's only like six days in, but you have a big trip coming up. I do. I have a big trip. I'm sure everybody's tired of hearing about Disney, so I won't talk about uh, Disney for my update. Um, I did have a weird thing happen, though. So, like, remember when we talked about how I was going to get glasses, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. So, my husband already has glasses. He wears, He's worn them for years. Um, but he went at the same time to have his eyes checked and, you know, his prescription updated and that kind of thing. And so, yeah, so we both went together. We ordered our glasses at the same time. The lady was like, okay, uh-huh. well, you know, it's kind of the end of the year. So it's going to be like two weeks probably. Um, he got an, a text like within a week. Uh, I got a text. Oh, I didn't get a text. I got nothing. So I called him like, um, hey guys. And she's like, oh yeah, I was, you know, I was just about to call you. Um, I'm not happy with your prescription. It's not like super perfect. So we're gonna, we're gonna send them back and reorder them. And, you know, it'll be like another seven to 10 days before they come in. So Sean was kind of waiting for me so we could go in together to get them. And I was like, you should just go and get your glasses. So He picks up his glasses. Um, He's in the store. He puts them on. He's like, it's really blurry. And the girl's like, well, you know, it just takes a while for your eyes to adjust. You know, you have five days to bring them back. Like, it was blurry to the point where he didn't drive with them on. Like, he put on his old glasses to drive home. And he had the next day off work. So he's like, okay, I'm just going to, I'm going to use this day to, like, get used to my new glasses. Um... So the next morning, he puts on the new glasses for like an hour or so. He does some stuff. He and Natalie are making breakfast in the kitchen. Mm -hmm. He fainted. It scared the shit out of Natalie. He passed out. Like he, he, he wasn't talking. It was weird. Like he had this weird Mm -hmm. look on his face and I was like, Hey babe, are you okay? And he didn't say anything, which is weird. And he kind of looked around sort of to the left and then he just like, boom, Mm -hmm. he like hit the floor. So it scared Natalie. She thought dad was dead. Like, yeah, (laughs) because you're a kid. You don't know any better. And you've never seen anything (laughs) like that. We've never seen anyone faint. Yeah. And I like threw my laptop and damaged it, like trying to get to him to make sure he was okay. And I like, I made him sit down. I took his like no temperature, like... He, um, he wears a Fitbit, so it's not, because my first thought was, God, he's having a heart attack. But, no, yeah. you know, his heart rate was fine. And I was like, take off your glasses. So he took off the new glasses and immediately felt better. And then he put the new oh. glasses on, or the old glasses back on. 
And so I was like, it's these gla- like, somebody has messed this up. Like, I don't know what mm-hmm. happened, but like, this is not okay. And so yeah. I took him back in and the lady made me feel like an idiot. She's like, yeah, I've never heard of that happening ever, but we'll check them. And I was like, okay, cool, because it was kind of scary, and you're lucky that he wasn't driving, and... Right. You know, like, this could have been kind of dangerous. And so I dropped him off, and I guess they called Sean, and it was, like, the lady who runs the place, and she was like, we are so sorry. When we put this prescription in, we entered it in wrong, and we, instead of, like, a plus, it was a minus. So they fixed it way in the wrong direction. Oh, my God. <laughs> and she was like, and we're going to we're gonna pay for these classes. Like, these are on us. And we're kind of like, yeah, it's probably, that's probably good. <laughs> like, that's probably right. But, yeah, it's weird. Have you ever heard of anybody getting their glasses wrong and passing out? No, I mean he must have been like so dizzy or like something. I don't know. That's what that's what the lady said. She was like, it causes vertigo. Like if your eyes are um, like s- straining so hard for so long, like you you just you get vertigo mm-hmm. and you fall over. So yeah, a little bit of excitement in my house. Moral oh, of story: wow. when they hand you fuzzy glasses, don't accept them. <laughs> If they're a little blurry, cool. But if you seriously can't see, hand them back. So, yeah. I still don't have my glasses. (laughs) I'm still waiting. Um, That's crazy. So, yeah. We'll see what happens. It's been a month and some craziness. That is an intense story about glasses. Right? You're welcome. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Okay. Well... The moral of the story, like she said, is don't accept fuzzy glasses. If you have, if anything's wrong with your glasses, give them back. Right. Give them right back. Are you having any snacks this evening? I am, actually. I took a little bit of time since I didn't have to. We're only recording one episode tonight, so I'm I'm a slacker and I didn't have to write a script. So I was like, okay, well, I need to bring the snack game then, obviously. So we have a couple of different things going on. I am, I'm drinking tea. This is fancy tea from the Spice and Tea Exchange in Vail, Colorado, who it says here are purveyors of fine spices, herbs, blends, salts, and teas. And this particular nice. blend is the Golden Monkey Tea. It says right here that these are rare black and gold tea leaves, and they're named after their resemblance to monkey paws. I don't know how I feel about that, but it tastes real good. Um, it's like a kind of a savory tasting tea. It's not super duper sweet. Okay. And it's a black tea, so I'll be crawling up the walls here real soon, um, which is great for everybody. I know everybody's <laughs> excited about that. And then for like the solid portion, uh, I have a little bit of an experiment. You guys can go on a journey with me. First of all, Girl Scout cookies don't go bad. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> and oh. there's been this one box of shortbread cookies in the, in the cupboard for a long time now. Considering seasons in March, it's been a while. And I'm pretty sure they're still good. It's shortbread, right? They, they look good. They smell good. They've been sealed. They're sealed. I think you're safe. 
Yeah, they've been sealed. They keep looking at me every time I open the cabinet. Like, I'm starting to really feel like I abandoned them. Because, and so is everyone else in the house. So it's like, ugh, I gotta eat these. But they're kind of uninteresting. And so I thought, I have a snack pack here. I'm going to dip this shortbread into this chocolate pudding snack pack and see what happens. Ooh. This is such a fat kid thing to do. That sounds like a successful experiment, I think. I, mean, I don't know. Think that's gonna be okay, here we go. Let's see. Let's see what happens. Here you go. Drum roll. Okay, chocolate. We're dipping. Got a nice healthy <laughs> dollop here. Okay. Mmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's a little weird. Makes oh, it's weird. Okay. From a texture perspective, it's a little weird. From a taste perspective, it goes well. Hmm. I don't know. I think it's the butter and the chocolate. I think if it was less buttery, well, I don't know. It's not. It's weird. Going right. Hmm. It's. I feel like. I feel like I need to repeat this process a few times and uh, <laughs> it'll get better as I go. There's a slightly Give less chocolate thing. layer in this snack pack that I feel like once I break through that layer, it might change the flavor combination a little bit and uh, it might be in business. We'll see. I'll report back at the end of the show. We'll see. Okay. Okay. Let's just Where hope that our story today doesn't involve anything gooey. <laughs> Actually. Oh no! <laughs> Great! <laughs> Great. <laughs> awesome. So, I was, as I was saying earlier, it's a new year that has nothing to do with this book, but I am wanting to just admit that December completely kicked my ass. So I'm very sorry that this is so, that this is so delayed. And that we haven't had an episode in so long. So I'm very sorry about that. I'm going to take full responsibility for being a loser. So hopefully I feel like you shouldn't take full responsibility. It's kind of a partner <laughs> thing. It's it fine. Was always we did me our best. We can't. Yes, we did our best. Everyone slacks off over Christmas. I'm going to take that and use that as my excuse. So anyway, tonight we have for you. Monster Blood, which Aww. is, I would say, I know, I'm sorry, which is, I would say, a very popular book in the Goosebumps canon. If these numbers are to be believed, I think this is book number three. Um, mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. that's very early, very, very early on in the journey of Goosebumps. So. Aren't there like 12 sequels to that one? There are a few, yes. I have. I only have three of them. There might be more, but I, I have three of them in my possession. But there may be more of them. So maybe if we like this one, it may return. So this was published in 1992, and it cost $3.99. And the cover is pretty simple, but it's, it's effective. It's just a staircase, and there is some gross green bloody substance, gooey substance running all the way down the stairs and a pair of glasses are kind of trapped in it. So did it eat someone? We don't know. But I guess we'll find out. I know that I read this one, but I I can't recall it at all. All the twists and turns. You'll be surprised. 
So the tagline is, it's a monster blood drive, which I found funny because as you read the book, the tagline doesn't really make sense. Like it does, but it doesn't at the same time. So anyway. Two weeks ago, Evan Ross's life was turned upside down. He was eavesdropping on his parents in the hallway, where he learned all important information when his fate was decided. His dad was being relocated to Atlanta, and Evan had to stay with his great-aunt Catherine while his parents frantically searched for a new home. Great-aunt Catherine was basically a stranger to Evan. He thinks he met her when he was two, and all he knows about her now is that his dad thinks she's really weird and she is completely deaf. They had arrived at his great-aunt's house, and Evan was putting up a fight and laying the guilt trip on hard with a capital H. How could you do this to me? She's going to be horrible. You're never coming back to get me. So on and so on. Evan's 12-year-old Cocker Spaniel, Trigger, was as equally unhappy about this change of location and was barking his head off in the car. So now that I mention the Cocker Spaniel, I forgot to mention at the top of the episode. So just a trigger warning. Haha, <laughs> Trigger, his name is Trigger. But just a trigger warning. They are not very nice to animals in this book. There are no animal deaths. I'll say that out the front, out the gate. No, nobody dies, nothing like that. It's just, I was kind of like, wow, they're really laying on the mistreatment of animals hard in this one. So just a, a warning as we go forward. But it's nothing graphic. Nobody dies, nothing like that. So Trigger makes it. <laughs> it's going to be okay. Because they did such a good job naming him. I love little dogs named Trigger. I like it when they have like real hardcore names, but it's a, it's a, it's not a hardcore breed. Uh, A cocker spaniel named Trigger is hilarious, and like a a chihuahua named Rambo is the best. (laughs) Right. So Evan lets him out of the car because his mom's like, make him stop barking, and he goes and explores the yard. Mrs. Ross is trying to sell Evan on the idea that Trigger was going to be great company. And sure, yeah, Evan was happy he was there. It's his, it's his dog. But he still wasn't very interested in this bill of goods. She knocks on the door and Evan reminded her that Aunt Catherine was deaf. But she had gotten her so flustered she completely forgot. Mr. Ross had reservations about leaving Evan with his aunt. She had been deaf for 24 years but refused to learn sign language or how to lip read. But Mrs. Ross reminded him that they had no choice. The experience was going to be good for Evan, and he had to learn how to handle tough situations. They're standing on the stoop, and he turned to ask his mom, like, what if Aunt Catherine is just really mean? But his mom didn't have time to answer, because the door swung open, and there she was. Her large frame filled the doorway, and she had a bloody knife in her hand. <clears throat> Good and first impression. Well, I think she's kind of punk rock to start with, because anybody who, like, <laughs> straight up throws their middle fingers at, like, learning to communicate at all is kind of awesome. She's like, nope, not nope. gonna do it. There's nothing you need to say to me that I need to hear, all right? <laughs> exactly. So Trigger starts barking again, and Evan's mom nearly falls off the stoop. Great Aunt Catherine was nothing like Evan had pictured. 
He was imagining some small, frail woman, but she was very robust and broad shoulder with black hair and striking blue eyes. I was cutting beef, she says, with a voice as deep as a man's, explaining the bloody knife. She turns to Evan and asks if he likes beef, and he just says, yeah, I guess, kind of awkwardly. Then she remarks on how, quote, big Evan is. Nothing like his father, who she used to call chicken for being so small. Evan was confused since he was the smallest person in his class, and no matter how hard he tried, still remained as skinny as a noodle. They go inside, and Great Aunt Catherine continues sizing up Evan, asking his mom if he's a good boy, and remarking that he has a strong chin and must like the girls. Mrs. Ross just nods along and kind of holds up his bag, signaling for where do I put this? But she continues on about how much his dad liked girls back when she used to babysit him. Evan was mortified and whispered to his mom to not leave him alone with this woman. But Mrs. Ross told him to be polite and she will likely leave him alone. She's just being friendly because they just got there. Out of nowhere, Great Aunt Catherine says she's going to bake Evan a pie. All his dad ever wanted to eat was pie and Evan can help him roll out the dough. She turned to him with a big grin and asked what his dad had told him about her. Did he say that she was a wicked witch? Evan blurted out, no, and she starts to laugh and just says, well, I am. Ha ha. Again, badass. She's like, I'm a witch. Too bad for you. (laughs) I love her. (laughs) At this point, Trigger starts to bark and jump all over her, and she glared down at him and threatened to put him in the pie if he didn't stop. So there's aggressive animal behavior, number one. (laughs) So Evan just kept thinking that he had to get out of there and right now, pleading with his mom, just bring him with her to Atlanta. But she was counting on him to get through this and to be good. The family needs him to step up right now. It was just two weeks and the neighborhood was full of families with kids. He could make some new friends, take Trigger out for walks and see what's in the neighborhood. Great Aunt Catherine is an old woman. She's not going to want to hang out with Evan much at all. Evan was determined to start being braver about this situation and helped his mom get the suitcase up the stairs. His room was actually a study, and the walls were lined with bookshelves, and there was a large mahogany desk and a small cot under the single window. The window faced the backyard, which was a green rectangle with a small garage and what looked like a fenced-off cement dog run at the back. If you're not familiar with a dog run, most people are, but basically it's, I don't like them, but basically it's just for you, a small, not a small, but a contained space for a dog or dogs. Usually they're on sides of houses or sides of backyards and they're just straight up and down and it's literally run back and forth. That's really the point of a dog run. They're not, they're not my favorite thing in the world, but people have them and so I guess I think it's mostly it supposed to be like a temporary thing like yeah mm-hmm. like i don't think you're supposed mm-hmm. to like chuck your dog out there and let it live in this like space <laughs> i think it's like but people do so <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. okay so that's what dog ran is if you haven't if you don't know the room smelled really musty and it even made trigger sneeze mrs ross going to be late for her plane and gave evan one last hug and slipped ten dollars into his pocket to, quote, buy himself a treat. $10 was a lot of money in 1992. (laughs) 
She left the room, and Trigger began to howl. Even he knew he was being abandoned with this weird old lady. He picked him up and gave him a kiss on the nose. It was just the two of them now. They had to stick together. Evan had no idea what he was going to do all day. There was no Nintendo, and he didn't see a TV in the living room. He got up and wandered around. The bookshelves were full of books about all sorts of subjects. Egypt, astronomy, chemistry, and medical books. Maybe Great Aunt Catherine's husband was some kind of scientist. But there was nothing good for Evan to read. He opened the closet door, and he screamed as something jumped toward him, and everything went black. He staggered backward, and it took him a few minutes to realize what the blackness was. A large black cat had jumped onto him, covering his face. He pulled it away, screeching, and it pattered over to the doorway. Great Aunt Catherine was standing there, for just how long, Evan had wondered, and smiled at the cat. Her name was Sarah Beth, and according to his great aunt, she was pure evil. She picked her up by the scruff of her neck, and just kept repeating how evil she was. Trigger took notice and started to bark, which made Sarah Beth twist herself out of Catherine's grip and take off down the hall. He whispered to Trigger that he was a bad dog for barking, but was secretly relieved that the cat had gone. Great Aunt Catherine was still looming in the doorway, and in her low voice said, Bring the dog. We can't have animals fighting in this house. Evan was terrified. What did she mean, bring the dog? Bring the dog where? She didn't budge from the doorway and just repeated, bring the dog. I have to take care of the dog. She couldn't have Sarah Beth getting riled. Great Aunt Catherine just kept frowning down at poor Trigger, who was being held by Evan as they walked toward the backyard. She said that she was prepared. Prepared for what exactly? She led Evan and Trigger to the fenced-in dog run he spotted from his room. While he was relieved that this was all she had planned for his poor dog, he didn't like the thought of leaving him outside all day and night. Trigger was an inside dog, and he was not going to like this new arrangement. He wanted to protest, but knew it would be no use. Catherine, being so stubborn and deaf, was smart in a way, because it means she can do whatever she wants. No one can communicate with her, so she's just like... I mean, in Catherine's defense, like, we've had this conversation before about these parents just, like, offloading their children for weeks at a time for no good reason. (laughs) But, like, it's even more high-handed to be like, here's my child and an animal. And Yeah. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's true. But I still... I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, I don't like it either. I'm always defending the animals. (laughs) But I think about like how sometimes I feel bad if like if we go visit somebody and we, you know, we're not able to do a kennel or whatever and the dog has to come with. Yeah. And in that scenario, Mm -hmm. like we're taking care of the dog. But like now you're not even there to Mm -hmm. take care of the dog. You're just like, here's my child and an animal and you're not super Mm -hmm. stable, but cool. Awesome. Right. (laughs) So Great Aunt Catherine just watched with her arms folded as Evan attached Trigger's collar to the long leash in the dog run. She said he was a good boy and offered Evan some cookies and milk. Trigger howled unhappily as Evan followed his great aunt inside. He turned to go back and comfort him, but Catherine grabbed his arm tightly and led him to the kitchen door. She motioned for him to sit at the small kitchen table, which was covered with a plastic checkerboard tablecloth. Very apropos for an 80-something-year-old woman. 
A plate of oatmeal raisin cookies appeared in front of him, and while they weren't his favorite, he was really hungry. Catherine just stood in the doorway, staring intently with a stern expression. Evan said he's going to take Krieger for a walk, then realized because he forgot again that she can't hear, so he motioned to Trigger and made a walking sign with his fingers. He thinks she got the idea. Looking around the neighborhood, Evan saw some small kids playing in their yard and a middle-aged man washing his car, but no kids his age. All of the houses were of similar size and shape. Trigger saw a squirrel and pulled the leash from Evan's grip and took off toward it, but his eyesight not being what it once was, didn't realize it had already gone up a tree. Evan chased Trigger on the block and finally caught up to him. He started to pull him back in the direction of Catherine's house, but he was stubbornly sniffing around a tree stump. Evan was startled by a hand on his shoulder and someone saying, Hey, who are you? Who just touches people when they meet them? I don't know. It's weird. <laughs> I have never just gone up to someone. I didn't know. Um, no, I've never like gone up to someone and like felt the need to touch them. I, right. I mean, unless they are like not paying attention and in danger somehow, then I might like yeah. get their attention. But like, I've never been like, "Hey, you!" Boom. <laughs> yeah, I never. Did. These are ki- these are kids. Kids don't have boundaries. Right. Right. <laughs> He spun around to find a girl with dark brown eyes staring back at him. What was her deal? She said she wanted to scare him, and it worked. Evan got a better look at her and realized that she was actually pretty. She had short wavy brown hair that was almost black, dark eyes, and a playful smile. She was wearing, are you ready for it? A yellow baggy t-shirt, black leggings, and yellow Nike. Nice. Did she have a t-shirt slide? <laughs> Did she have what? Did she have a t-shirt slide? I don't Do you think remember so. those? I mention that. No. I almost bought one for Natalie for the Disney trip. It's like for your big baggy mm-hmm. t-shirts, like a circle with like a bar through the middle. And you can like thread your uh-huh. t-shirt through and it like cinches it up at the waist. Very popular in the 80s. Oh, I remember those. I never knew what they were called. Okay. I totally had one of those. Yeah, yeah, you get them in all like different colors or plastic. Yep. Mm-hmm. I just never knew what they were called. Like my grandma it's a t-shirt got slide. Amazing. You can get them on Etsy. Amazing. She asked Evan again who he was, and he said, "I'm me." She asked if he had moved into the white winter halter house, and he said no, that he was just visiting for two weeks. She looked a little disappointed. He noticed that she had a cool BMX bike, similar to one that he had at home. She said that she likes Trigger because, and this part I didn't like, because, again, I defend the animals, but she likes Trigger because he looks stupid and she likes stupid dogs. And that hurt my heart. dogs. (laughs) Big, big, floofy dogs are the best. But, like, it's so mean to call them stupid. I don't know. It's just like, he looks, he doesn't look stupid. I'm always, I'm overly sensitive, but. She asked what his name was and figured it was something stupid because he looked stupid. And when Evan said it was Trigger, she laughed and said, yeah, that's pretty stupid for a Cocker Samuel. (laughs) This girl. (laughs) And Evan couldn't help but laugh because she was just really strange. Trigger seemed to like her too. He was sniffing her and wagging his tail, licking her hands. 
She says that she has a stupid name, too. And once Evan asked what it was, she said it was Andrea. But she hated it because it was stupid and belonged to someone prim and proper. So she makes everyone call her Andy. Evan began to introduce himself, but she made him stop. Hmm? I feel like stupid is just her favorite word. Oh, it is. This whole, I think there's, I think I said, I read stupid in this chapter like 60 times. Because she just loves saying the word stupid. Do you think it's like the mm-hmm. stupid? Like, yeah. with, the, with the four O's, I'm stupid. Sure yeah. So Evan began to introduce himself, but she made him stop. She wanted to guess because she assumed it was a stupid name too. (laughs) He nodded and said, yeah, it's Evan. Evan's stupid. That made Andy laugh and that cheered him up. The girls at his school usually never get his sense of humor. She asked what he was doing, even though it seemed pretty obvious that he was walking the dog. And then Andy suggests they go into town. The neighborhood was pretty boring. Evan figured it was harmless to go, and it was only a few blocks away. And besides, what could possibly happen? That's what they all say, Evan. Andy was headed to the toy store to pick up a birthday gift. Evan asked if he could try out her bike, and she just laughed and offered to let him run alongside her. The town was a three-block stretch of two-story shops and offices. There was a post office, an old-fashioned barber shop, a grocery a drive through bank, and a hardware store. The toy store was on the next block. Andy tells him there are actually two toy stores in town. One old one and one new one, but she liked the old one best. Wagner's Novelties and Sundries was in an old clapboard building desperately in need of paint. There were no toys on display in the windows. Andy parked her bike against the side of the building and warned Evan that the owner could be a little bit mean, so he may not want Trigger coming inside. Evan wanted to give it a try, so the three of them head for the entrance and into the shop, which looked more like a warehouse than a store. Shelves with boxes full of toys reached the ceiling, and a long counter stretched the entire width of the store. At the front was a grumpy-looking man on a stool. He was reading a newspaper and only grunted an acknowledgement as Andy waved hello. Trigger was excitedly sniffing everything on the lower shelves. The place was covered in dust, which to Evan's estimation was at least 100 years old. The boxes of toys weren't organized at all. Dolls were mixed in with art sets, blocks covered an old drum set. It was a mess. Evan didn't understand why Andy liked this place, but she said it was just neat and that you could find some real treasures. They found a metal lunchbox with a cowboy on it that Andy thought her cousin might like because he's super weird and a magic set. But Evan's attention was taken away by a light from a small room at the back. It was even darker and dustier than the rest of the store and looked to be mainly full of really old junk, but something had caught Evan's eye. There was a can about the size of a can of soup with a bright blue lid. He picked it up and the label read, Monster Blood, Surprising Miracle Substance. Evan was intrigued and remembered his $10 in his pocket when a gruff voice shouted, What are you doing back here? <clears throat> so as we have learned through many Goosebumps book, when there is a mysterious back room, don't go there. Don't go there. <laughs> 
Before we go there and check it out, we try to buy whatever is back there at all costs, and if we are refused a sale, we just steal it. Everything's gonna be fine. Booming voice started Trigger, who started to bark. Evan held on to Trigger's leash tightly and sheepishly asked how much the can of monster blood cost. The shop owner said it wasn't for sale. It's old and probably expired. Evan insisted he'd take it anyway and just wanted to know the price. They have a back and forth when Andy appears and she also wants a can of monster blood and tries to buy it from Evan who hasn't even purchased it for himself yet. Andy is searching the shelves for another jar, but the shopkeeper and Evan insist that it's the only one. The shopkeeper suggests that they just that they share the jar, which leads Evan to believe that he's going to sell it to them. They settle on $2 and promises that they won't come back and complain when it's expired and doesn't work. Evan and Andy leave the store, and it looks like Andy had forgotten to purchase something for her cousin after all. The whole way home, they argue about who is going to keep the monster blood. Turns out, this is the part that killed me. Turns out, they are both only children and both spoiled. So sharing isn't their strong suit. Because <laughs> you're an it's only like, child. Wow, thanks. thanks for just root killing us. Thank you. <laughs> Aww. Way to feel it. I can yeah. share sometimes. <laughs> sometimes. Well, but you only ch- only kids are kind of self-aware about that, too. Like, it's not as bad, I don't think, as, like, people make it out to be. But they're also no. kind of self-aware. Yeah. Um, you know, it's that whole thing about if mom comes home with, like, a special snack and there's only, yeah. like, just enough for everybody, you are watching mm-hmm. everyone like a damn hawk. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. So I just don't know if there's competition at that level for only children right. for, you know. You're competing with yourself, basically. Also, I feel like so it's important it- to note here that this is in, um, I think, the heyday of Nickelodeon. And yeah, the popularity of GAC. Um, yeah, if you which they kind of talk about. Okay, mm-hmm. you're gonna, you're going to touch on yeah. Gak. Okay, because uh, that was yeah. my first thought was like, why do you want this? And I was like, oh wait a minute, this is like, yeah. this is Nickelodeon time. Okay, mm-hmm. I think they don't really say why. It kind of caught his eye, but to me, it's like I think you're right. And then the colors it stood out in a dingy place, you know, the bright colors stood out. And anything with the blood on it, you're like, cool blood, <laughs> you know. Well, because Certain you want to know, like, what does it do? Like, what you know, like, right. what's it for? Right. And in in that time, mm-hmm. like, there was you could buy like things of gak that didn't do shit; they were just gross. Do anything, <laughs> yeah. So Evan offers to invite her over, and they can just check it out together. When they arrive at Catherine's house, she is sitting in the large armchair in the living room, talking to Sarah Beth. She asks to see what they bought at the store and examines the jar before handing it back to him. He thinks he hears her whisper to be careful, but didn't stop to turn back and check. Andy can't believe that Evan can't find a single book to read in his room. Everything looked so cool to her. She took a dusty tome off the shelf and joked that maybe Great Aunt Catherine was going to come up here and cast a spell on him. Putting the book back on the shelf, her attention returned to the can of monster blood, telling Evan to hurry up and open it. She was hoping that whatever was inside was old and rotten. Evan tried to peel off the lid. Hmm? 
I said ew. Yeah, I don't know why you'd want rot and stuff, but she's weird. He tried to peel off the lid, but it didn't budge. There were no instructions or ingredients to be found on the can. And Andy's like, of course not. It's monster blood. And did her best Dracula impression and pretended to strangle Evan. He wasn't amused and slammed the can on the desk. And to their surprise, the lid popped off. The substance inside looked like shiny green jello. Andy urged Evan to touch it, but before he had a chance, she shoved her fingers into the substance, and it was cold. Evan poked at it next and agreed that it was really cold, and felt heavier and thicker than jello. When he pulled his fingers from the goo, it made a loud squishing sound. Gross. Andy thought it might glow in the dark. They decided to test their theory out in the dark closet. They had to hold their breath because it reeked of mothballs. Sure enough, the goo began to glow and Andy was super impressed. Evan thought it reminded him of a toy he had before, called Alien Stuff or Yucky Glop. He couldn't remember. Thus, Gak. Right. <laughs> so Evan is already, so this is Gak in Goosebumps World is Alien Stuff. Right. So once again, Gak is essentially this. It is a can or a shape of gelatinous goopy stuff and they had glow in the dark kind they had glitter kind they had foam like sand i lost my foam in a river on christmas day (laughs) what was it i lost my foam in a river on christmas day (laughs) so weird it's a random thing uh foam was more fun because you could mold it I like yeah, foam better. Little orbies Mold in foam. it, like little bees. Yeah, it, like it made like a very satisfying crunchy sound. Crunchy um, sound. Uh huh. And yeah. then Gak was more comparable to the slime of today. Yes. Uh huh. But I think a little thicker. Gak was. Yeah, Gak was a more malleable than slime. You could like yeah. do more, like more molding with it, but it would still come apart. And I just like the containers because the containers are like star shaped or like sickles uh, or like weird, funny oblong shapes. Yeah. I had a few of them because they were just like, that's what you got as a kid, you know? But, I can't remember. Mm-hmm. Was it if you threw it up against the wall, would it stick? I think so. It was supposed to. Yeah. It was supposed to. Mm-hmm. And so he wasn't that impressed with it because he's like, I have this stuff, like, pfft, whatever, you know? And they couldn't hold their breaths any longer and rushed out of the closet. Andy had taken a scoop of the stuff out of the can and was playing with her hands, squeezing it and making it go flat, but it would just puff back up. She rolled the ball of goo- she rolled the goo into a ball and bounced it on the hardwood floor. It flew high into the air and out into the hallway. Then she wanted to see if it could stretch. With both of her hands, her to pull it apart, and sure enough, it was stretchable. She remarked that it was staying cold even as you played with it. Evan noticed dark stain on the hardwood floor and told Andy they should go outside and play before they ruined something. Trigger was thrilled to see them. He acted like they had been gone for 20 years. They both make balls from the monster blood and toss them around the yard for a bit, and Andy is surprised that it maintains its shape. Evan's next toss went a little too high, and the ball sailed over Andy and landed in front of Trigger. He took a little sniff, and ignored the kids shouting, leave it, no. But Trigger didn't listen. He took it in his mouth, chewed it, and swallowed. Oh no. Now there wasn't enough monster blood for Andy and Evan to share. 
but he was more concerned if it was going to make Trigger sick. What if it was poison? So now we're killing dogs. I'm just kidding. No, the dog's fine. <laughs> I'm concerned for the dogs. That stuff is pretty much pure mm-hmm. chemical. In the very like least worst case scenario, we're going to have some gnarly poops. Yes, and our barf. Uh-huh. So three days later, Evan asked Aunt Catherine about baking that pie. But she was confused and was just like, what pie? I never offered to make you a pie. Like completely oh. forgot. Okay, had, like, never mind. Yep. Never mind. And that just convinced Evan that she was just mean. He had been trying to be friendly, but nothing worked. She was always just cold and mean. And he's like, forget, forget this lady. They were sitting together at the small kitchen table when he noticed Catherine's pendant. It looked like it had been made out of bone. Maybe it was a bone from an animal she killed. Catherine noticed he was staring and hid the pendant back inside the neck of her dress. The night before, Mrs. Mr. Ross had called and he could tell and Andy could tell that things weren't going well in Atlanta. But he peppered them with questions. How's mom? Did you find a house? When are you coming to get me? And he breaks the news that their trip might take a little longer than expected. The house hunt was going slow. And they're going to need a few more days before they can pick up Evan. Instead of screaming at them, he took the high road and told them about Andy, but he felt even more homesick after hearing their voices. The next morning, he went downstairs to find Catherine arguing with Sarah Beth, who promptly went out the back door. So this lady just talks to her cat. She just has full-on conversation with her, with the cat. He went to get triggered to walk him to Andy's, but he was fast asleep in the sun and not wanting to budge. So we checked his water bowl and headed out. On his way, two gruff voices called to him. Who are you? And two large twins wearing metal band t-shirts were blocking his path. <laughs> They're bad kids because they listen to metal. I was going to say, and you know. every time they step into the path, you, there's like a guitar riff in the back. <laughs> yep. Don't worry, I got it. In tough voices, they tell him he's not allowed to walk on this block because he doesn't live there. He's not a resident. And the two boys move closer in on Evan, and he looks around for help, but the streets were empty. With balled-up fists, they keep inching closer and closer, and Evan had to keep stepping back until he slipped off the curb. Evan tried to dodge them and go around, but they were too quick. The twins suggest he pay a non-resident toll for permission to use the street. Was he about to be robbed? And he remembered the $8 in his pocket. Evan's fear was growing, but just in time, Andy's voice called out from down the street. She raced toward them on her bike and confronted Rick and Tony and told them to leave Evan alone. Sure, they'll take the bike and leave him alone. Andy protested, but Tony grabbed the bike from her grasp and tried to stop them, but she got pushed down and her head hit the curb and the boys took off with the bike. Evan was scared that she was really hurt, and he helped her up from the curb. She seemed to be okay and wasn't that concerned about her bike. They've done this to her before and just left it on her lawn when they were done with it. They were the Bamer twins, and they ran wild. They lived with their grandmother and had no one keeping them in check. They tormented all of the kids in the neighborhood, and Andy dreamed of getting revenge someday. She tells Evan that she has somewhere to go, but they would hopefully do something later to together tomorrow and they go their separate ways so evan heads back home 
back to his room and opens the can of monster blood to see that it was practically full. And he Mm. figures maybe what he thought trigger eight wasn't that much after all. He went downstairs to grab dinner for trigger, but he knew quickly that something was wrong. Trigger's eyes were bulging and he was struggling to breathe. He was choking. Evan raced toward him and dropped to his knees. He realized that his collar had somehow become way too tight. It would not budge. He kept pulling and tugging at it until it finally came off and Trigger let out a cry of relief. He was licking Evan all over with gratitude. He had made it just in time and he shuddered to think if he had come home any later, what would have happened? Evan could not understand how a leather collar could suddenly shrink. It just didn't make sense. Watching Trigger slurping water, he studied him. He looked bigger. But how? He was 12 years old. The next morning, he made his way to Andy's again, and he found her working on something at the base of the big oak tree. She was trying to free a calico cat that had been tied to the tree. It was shrieking and crying, making almost human-like sounds. The Bamer twins had did this. And he finally got the knots untied and the calico raced off. She was furious and so sick of those creeps. They were heading back to Evans and the whole way home, they plotted revenge against the Beamers. Catherine was working on a jigsaw puzzle when they came in the door. She asked the kids if they liked puzzles, but didn't give her a chance, but didn't give them a chance to answer before returning back to her, her attention back to it. Evan lamented she was going to drive him bananas and Andy told him to be quiet or she'll hear. But he reminded her that she was completely deaf and called out, You're a crazy old coot. Catherine looked up and shot an icy cold stare at Evan, almost like she heard him. Back in his room, Andy is looking for the monster blood, which is tucked up in the bookshelves. She gasped, which took it down. The monster blood had began to overflow from the lid. Evan took a look and then took some out of the jar. It was expanding and definitely growing. It wasn't cold anymore either. Now it felt warm and it was sticky. When Andrew threw it, when Andy threw it on the ground, it just got stuck. Evan wanted to throw it away. What fun is it going to be now? But Andy said, no way. Then they both noticed Sarah Beth in the doorway. She was staring curly at the ball of the monster blood on the floor before turning away and out of the room. Where is Evan going to store this stuff now that the can was busted? Then Andy found a bigger coffee can, which could work. He put his glob inside, and and it filled the can about halfway through. Andy was feeling playful and started daring Evan to taste it. Evan didn't take the bait, but the two had a monster blood battle until dinner time. Tossing the green goo back and forth, until Trigger's barking caught Evan's attention. They go outside and Trigger seems agitated about something, and Evan tried to get him to calm down. Then Andy comments on how huge he looks, and she was right. He had nearly doubled in size. So now he has a pony. Yeah, I was going to say, maybe Trigger gets revenge in the end. um, (laughs) Because, you know, it's... He's not quite Clifford, because that's that's not how that happened. No. Everybody knows that 
Mary Elizabeth loved him so much, he grew so much, so big. Um, so that's definitely not the case with Trigger. Also, I would just like to say, for someone who can't receive an answer, our aunt asks a lot of questions. I don't even mention them all in my shortened version. Like, that's her thing. It's just going like, do you like this? And then not letting you answer. How's that going? And then not letting you answer. Like, that's her thing. She just talks to herself. I am so considerate. Like, I care so much to ask people about things. I'm the best. Yeah, I don't know. Poor Trigger. Although that's like every kid's dream. Who hasn't at one time tried to ride a, a dog like a horse? Right. So Trigger had managed to get himself over the fence and began galloping down the pavement. Evan could not keep up, and he was losing his breath. Trigger's paws hitting the pavement seemed to echo in the night, which was starless. Trigger was nearly the size of a small pony and seemed to be getting bigger by the minute. Evan noticed he wasn't alone on the street, and two figures were in front of Trigger. Two figures he recognized. The Bamer twins. The boys turned onto an even darker street, and Trigger followed. Everything was silent except for the sounds of Evan's breathing and the twin sneakers. All of a sudden, Trigger raised himself onto his hind legs and let out a howl, but not a dog howl, a creature howl. His features began to change, his snout elongated, and his eyes went yellow. Trigger was a monster, an actual, real monster. Then Evan woke up. He woke up from a dream. To realize that he was safe inside of the study in Catherine's house. But something felt off about the bed. It seemed really cramped. He looked down in horror to see his giant feet and giant hands. He began to scream, which woke him up again. I wasn't falling for it that time either. (laughs) It was a dream inside a dream. Was he even awake now? His sheets sheets were soaked in sweat and his covers had been tossed to the floor. It took him a few minutes to get his bearings and recover from the dream. It was still nighttime and he went to check on Trigger from the window who was sound asleep. He wasn't a monster, but he was definitely bigger. Evan was worried. Maybe it was his glands, he was eating too much. He decided to find a town vet to see if they could help. Before getting back in bed, something caught his eye. The glowing green goo had started to come out, overflowing from the coffee can. Evan and Andy were in Dr. Forrester's office the next day, and he was examining Trigger and declared him very healthy for his age. Evan asked if he thought it was just a late-stage growth spurt, but Dr. Forrester said that he would know more when the labs came back in a few days. But he's confident that Trigger seemed very healthy, and Evan shouldn't be too worried. Trigger was getting wriggly and seemed very ready to get out of there. Dr. Forrester handed Evan a new dog food recommendation to see if that might help him to lose some weight. Andy and Evan had to walk home, but Andy realized she was late for piano again and her mom was going to kill her, so she had to take off. Evan was in a miserable mood, but he thought an ice cream might help, so stopped outside of the grocery store, tied Trigger to the fire hydrant, 
and told him to stay put. Trigger was not interested in listening to Evan, but he went inside anyway. The line was short, and he was heading back to Trigger in no time. Except he found the Bamer twins furiously untying his leash. Evan screamed to let go. The twins turned to face him with big shit-eating grin on their faces. Look what we found. Evan angrily told them to give the leash back, but the twins decided Trigger was their dog now. Finders keepers after all. Ricky stepped forward toward Evan and punched the ice cream out of his hand and it hit the side up with a plop. The brothers began to laugh, but it was cut short by Trigger, who was baring his teeth and growling. Ricky dropped the leash and told with a loud, angry roar, pounced on Ricky and knocked to the ground. Tony had already took off running and Ricky was calling out to him, wait for me. Evan grabbed for Trigger's leash, but he had taken out after the twins, just like in his dream. Does that mean the rest of it would come true? <clears throat> These kids are the worst. They're like, mm, yeah, I'm get, I'm trying not to get angry because that's we, we're in a story <laughs> and that's a device and that's fine. But it's like, I don't know. I don't think I would correct anybody else's kids either, though. At least not now, unless you're unless you're like messing with my kid that's kind of a different story and then like she said and he said he does have his their grandparents their grandparents are too old to like keep up with them you know so they just like wander the neighborhood like (sighs) okay yep maybe they'll fall down a well that used to happen a lot like fingers crossed yeah fingers crossed (laughs) for a well later that evening Evan called Andy and told her he had a small problem. But Andy said his voice made it sound like it was a big problem. So she asked if the twins still giving him grief. But it wasn't them. They never came back after Trigger scared them. And Evan managed to drag the beast home. Evan took the bucket downstairs and walked to Evan's. The door was open, but he knocked on the door. What's with the bucket? Andy asked. The monster blood had grown again. It almost filled the entire bucket he had sneakily grabbed from Catherine. Evan said, we have a problem. But according to Andy, there was no we. (laughs) Evan tried to put it off on her because, hey, she wanted to share it, remember? She wanted it so much. So why not be the proud owner of the whole damn thing? And she's like, no. Mm-mm. Absolutely not. The blood just keeps getting bigger and bigger, and he has no idea what he's going to do. They both kind of start to think, could it be, is this why Trigger was so much bigger? Evan just feels alone. He has no one to help him and nobody to talk to about this. Andy suggests he talk to his aunt, but Evan knew she would be useless. She hates him and just spends the whole day arguing with the whole with the damn cat. Okay, so why not throw it in the trash? Evan was also against that idea. He had to save it in case they needed, to, they needed it to help Trigger. Andy suggests a call to the police next. But how would that work? Excuse me, officer. My friend and I bought this old toy called Monster Blood and now it won't stop growing. Evan demanded she help him by taking some of the Monster Blood. 
so she runs upstairs and brings back a coffee can. That's all you're going to take? Great. Andy went toward the bucket to fill the can, but she jumped backward. The monster blood had sucked in the can, and it was like sucked inside. Evan couldn't believe it. It was like it was alive. He reached inside to get the, the can back, and the monster blood felt like it was pulling and trying to keep his hands trapped inside it. Maybe we should feed some of the Bamer twins. But Andy warned against going after them. They were dangerous and would really hurt him. She suggests they watch a movie, but he has to get home to eat in silence, to eat in silence with Aunt Catherine. Oh, okay. joy. Joy, yes. <laughs> I think I have a plan. I know what we should do. Okay. Um, we pinch off a little bit of monster blood. We put it mm -hmm. into a baby food jar because those are always handy. Um, and when we put it in the freezer, we freeze it in case we need it to help trigger later. We take the rest of the monster blood and we go throw it in the town quarry because there's always a town quarry. Um, and then we're kids, so it's no longer our problem. Um, and then Trigger just gets bigger and bigger, and that's great because, you know, everybody wants a giant dog. Solved it. Solved, Solved it. it. Good job, Christy. Thanks. <clears throat> he leaves, but as soon as he steps onto the porch, the Bamer twins are waiting, clenching their fists. They step out of the shadows with their big grins. And one of them grabs the bucket out of Evan's hand and throws it on the ground. The monster blood oozed out and was making horrible squelching sounds in the grass. Before he could say anything, one of the twins punched him in the stomach, then another fist hit his cheek. They fly some more punches around and all Evan can do is kind of like hide and protect himself. He was laying on the ground and the dizziness was too much to try and stand up. Andy was standing over him, asking if he was okay. She was shocked this had happened and was very concerned about Evan. The monster blood was spreading out across the grass, making a large, flat puddle. They tried to push it back into the bucket, but it was so heavy, it didn't seem to want to budge. They tried to pull off small pieces, but it refused to separate. It reminded Evan of taffy, gross, disgusting taffy. Together, they managed to lift the green ball and force it back into the bucket, all the while felt like it was trying to pull their hands off. Andy decided they should take it back to the store, but Evan wasn't so sure. He didn't have the heart to argue, so they went their separate ways. He snuck into the house unnoticed and found that the bucket was completely full to the brim even after he had given some to Andy. He had to find a new vessel for the ever-growing thing. Maybe there was a box or something in the basement. Over dinner, Catherine questioned his cheek. Get in a fight? Just like your dad. She didn't seem very concerned about his injuries, and while it would have been nice to tell someone about the monster blood, he knew she just didn't care. They ended dinner in silence, and once Catherine had gone to bed, Evan snuck out to the garage. The night was cool and clear, crickets making music across the lawn. He entered the garage and was startled by something scuttling across the floor. 
he convinced himself it was just a leaf. Finding the bucket of blood behind the wheelbarrow where he hid it earlier, he couldn't believe what he saw. The green substance was quivering and trying to escape the container. He grabbed the bucket with both hands and tried his best to not let any spill out. He made his way to the house and down the steep basement steps. There had to be something down here that can hold this stuff. The basement was full of junk and dust-covered furniture. Then something brushed his face and he panicked, dropping the bucket. It was a thick cobweb and he managed to scrape it off, but it, scrape it away, but his face still tickled. It was a spider. Ew. He brushed it off, but his cheek still felt as though something was crawling on it. Stepping forward, he lost his balance and tripped over something or someone. A dead body. Bum, nope. Just a dressmaker's dummy. He looked around and found an old bathtub. This would have to do. Pouring the contents inside, Evan watched the green goo coat the bottom of the walls forming to the tub. He was about to leave, but then he heard the cat screech. Startled, he lost his balance and went head first into the tub of monster blood. He landed hard on his elbows, and the sticky substance was pulling him down. It felt like quicksand or concrete. The green gunk was rising up and up like it was trying to choke him. He felt like he was going to suffocate. He screamed, and with a burst of energy, began to try and pull himself out of the tub. The goo was rising higher and higher, like hands pulling him back, but he kept fighting. The goo was grabbing at his neck trying to pull him down that way. Evan just kept screaming, and with one last burst of energy, he fell out of the tub and onto the hard floor. Sarah Beth had been watching and had a strange expression on her face. The next morning, after a restless night, Catherine had jokes for his bedraggled appearance, but he wasn't interested in her today. Taking the notepad he had been using to communicate with Catherine, started to scribble something. Catherine was curious and watched him write. I need your help. The tub downstairs is overflowing with monster blood. Catherine studied the note and then leaned her head back laughing. She found the whole thing hilarious as poor Evan grew more and more frustrated. All of a sudden, her expression changed to serious and she grabbed his earlobe and squeezed it. She got right in his face and said, I warned you to be careful. Her blue eyes sparkling like jewels. What is her problem? He knew he couldn't count on her for help, so he had to call Andy, the only person he can seem to rely on. He called Andy and she was not happy. The monster blood she took had already outgrown the coffee can and her parents' ice chest. How are they going to carry it all back to the toy store? Maybe garbage bags will work. They managed to get the goo into bags and very slowly went their way into town. Evan was dragging the bulging bag behind him and a lot of people stared. How many bags did they say? They think they each had two. Okay. Or maybe he had two and she had one, I think. They had a lot of goo. <laughs> okay. Because we said bags, but you didn't say how many bags. Sorry. They had, I think it was three. 
like black garbage bags. Okay. They reached the store and both gasped. There was a red sign on the door. Out of business. They were desperate to get rid of the disgusting cot in the bag, and Evan was just pounding on the door anyway. Somebody open up. Come on, somebody, anybody. He was pounding with both fists. And finally, Andy had to pull him away. Somewhere, a girl called out. It was The store is closed. It closed a few days ago. And then Evan yelled back, Very helpful! And slammed his hand angrily against the door again. Evan, stop, Andy warned. You're going to hurt yourself. Like, this is ridiculous. The garbage bags appeared to be moving, expanding and contracting, like what was inside was trying to breathe. I think we should go back to Catherine's. And somehow, they managed to drag the monster blood all the way back to Catherine's house. The sun had gotten really high in the sky and they were drenched with sweat. His arms hurt, his head hurt, his feet hurt. He was over it. They were back in the backyard and Andy saw there was a big aluminum trash can by the garage door. How about that? It has a lid that clamps down and looks pretty sturdy. Evan thinks this might be a good idea. And they dumped the contents into the trash can and hit the bottom with a thick, squishy sound. And it was so heavy and it was almost going to knock the can over. But they managed to slide the monster blood from the plastic bag and rolled more in like a tidal wave, sloshing against the side and it was raising up again like it was trying to escape. With a loud... Bang, they slammed the metal lid down on top of it and clamped the handles. They both stared at the can for a while, thinking it was going to explode or burst open. Now what? Evan was just in a state of fear. But before Andy could reply, they saw Catherine step out of the back kitchen door. Her eyes searched the backyard until she found them. She told Evan that she had good news. She was holding a yellow piece of paper in her hand. Your mother is coming to pick you up this afternoon. Sweet. Was Catherine just trying to get rid of him? That was Evan's first thought. And then dismissing that thought, he jumped for joy. It was the best news he'd ever received. Andy didn't seem to share his joy. Uh, you're leaving your aunt a pretty big surprise over there, pointed to the trash can. I don't care. I'm leaving, Evan Not repeated. Not problem, bitch. I'm out. <laughs> Have a great summer. We should tell someone about the monster blood or do something about it before you leave. But Evan was too excited to even think about it. I thought and there was, was no we, Andy. <laughs> I know. She's very inconsistent. He goes to trigger. and like, we're going home. We're going home. He pulled open the gate where Evan's dog pen was and shouted, Trigger! The dog that came bounding toward him was Trigger, but he was the size of a pony. He had doubled in size since the day before. Evan had to hit the ground as Trigger tried to jump on him. But before Evan could get up, he began barking ferociously. The huge dog was already past the gate and going toward the street. 
and he could not believe what she was seeing. He's so big. And all Evan could do was like, we have to stop him. He's going to hurt someone. And they just keep shouting his name, trying to run after him. And he hit the driveway with a loud clang and the bike rolled over and hit the trash can and rolled away. And the green ooze started to pour out. Ooze from the can then stopped and appeared to stand up. It was quivering, making loud sucking sounds and making itself appear tall. The two stared in silence as the mass appeared to come to life, like a newborn creature, stretching and looking around. With a loud sucking sound, it lunged toward Evan, and Andy screamed, get up, it's going to roll over you. Evan uttered a cry, like a sound he had never made before, and rolled away from the green like I can't even think of how to describe it. I guess like a wave, like a green like wave that was coming toward him. She screamed what, for him yeah, to makes run. Sense. Like a wave, right. She screamed for him to run that it was alive and to run. The monster blood heaved itself against the garage wall and seemed to stick there. Then it peeled off and went bouncing toward them with speed. They were screaming for help. Somebody help, please. At the top of their lungs, screaming and running as fast as they out of that garage or out of the backyard. But their legs were weak and rubbery and they followed them down the driveway towards the front yard. Still screaming for help, his voice was hoarse and his temples were throbbing. The monster blood was right behind them, picking up speed and making disgusting sounds. It then changed direction, still bouncing and quivering and leaving stains on the grass like footsteps. All Andy kept screaming was, oh my God, it's alive. And Evan has no idea what to do. It was catching up to them. They made their way to the front of the house. Then a voice came out of nowhere which startled them. It was the Bamer twins. And he said, oh, it's Evan, my favorite punching bag. Took a few steps toward Evan and Andy, but their grins disappeared and opened in horror as the green mass headed down the driveway and they screamed to look out and run. But the two brothers were too scared to move. The enormous ball of blood picked up speed as it bounced toward them, and it hit the twins with a deafening smack. They were flailing their arms and struggling to pull themselves free, screaming for help, help us please. Their bodies were twisting and writhing and struggling, but they were stuck. The green gunk was all over them, then it pulled them inside with a loud pop. But it's okay. They were awful anyway. We like it. Nobody will miss them. No, not at all. Evan gasped in horror as the Bamer twins had finally stopped struggling. The two boys just kept getting pulled deeper and deeper inside the monster blood. Then it bounced, turned, and went back up the driveway. It Evan bounced? and Andy were it, which is bouncing now. <laughs> like, describe it as like rolling and bouncing and kind of getting like stuck everywhere. The front door of the house burst open and Catherine came out on the stoop. What are you doing? What is that? And her eyes filled with horror. Picking up speed again, it bounded toward the stoop. 
Catherine put up her hands in fright, and she stood there for a long moment, trying to make sense of what was happening. Then she left the front door wide open, spun around, and went into the house. The monster blood hesitated at the front, front stoop. It bounced in place like it was thinking about what to do next. Evan and Andy were just staring in horror from across the, the street. A wave of nausea came over Evan as he saw the Bamer twins, which were still visible inside the blob. Faceless nice. prisoners wiggling inside it. Evan screamed as it squeezed through the opening of the doorway and disappeared into the house. From the middle of the yard, Andy and Evan heard Catherine scream. It got her, Evan thought. Evan went to the house first. He had run so fast, his lungs were going to burst. He screamed and burst the living room. The blob had filled the center of the small room, and the Bamer twins were outlined in its side as it bounced and quivered and leaving sticky footprints all over the carpet and where it was bouncing around. It took Evan a few seconds to see his aunt. The monster blood had backed her against the fireplace. Evan could see she had nowhere to run. And she cried to the kids to get out of there, get out of there. Save your lives. I made this thing. I must die for it, Catherine shouted. Had he heard her correctly? What did she just say? I made this thing. I must die for it. The monster blood pushed forward toward Aunt Catherine. Evan felt like the room was spinning. He gripped the back of the armchair and pictures flooded his mind. He saw her pendant, the mysterious books, Sarah Beth, and there was a black shawl that Catherine always wrapped around her shoulders in the evening. Evan saw it all now and it became clear to him Evan pictured the day he and Andy brought home the monster blood. Catherine had really insisted on seeing it, touching it, and studying it. He remembered that she rolled the can around in her hands, examining it carefully, moving her lips to read the label. What was she doing? What had she been saying? And then a thought went into Evan's mind. Maybe she was casting a spell on the can, a spell to make the blood grow and to terrify Evan. But why would she do that? didn't even know Evan. Why would she want to frighten him or kill him? When she said be careful, it was a real warning. It was a warning against her spell. Then Evan shouted back, you did this, you did this, you cast a spell and pointed a finger at her. Her eyes filled with tears that overflowed onto her cheeks. I didn't do it, she did. And she points a finger at Andy. Andy? Now she was accusing Andy? Evan spun around to confront her, but Andy turned too. And Evan pointed, realized that she wasn't pointing at Andy, she was pointing past her to Sarah Beth. In the doorway, the black cat was hissing and arching her back. Her yellow eyes were flaring. She did it. She's the one, Catherine declared. The blob of monster blood bounced backward, retreating as if it was stung by their, her words. Shadows shifted inside the blob and quivered, catching the light through the living room window. Evan just stared at the cat, then turned his eyes to Andy. She shrugged. She was frozen in horror. Evan just figured, Can't, Catherine is crazy. 
She's lost it. She's not making and, any freaking sense. And he's like, cats are evil. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Then the black cat raised herself up on her hind legs. Andy gasped and squeezed Evan's arm. Her she was freezing. Still hissing, the cat grew like a shadow against the wall. It swiped the air, its eyes closed, and became consumed in blackness. No one moved. The only sound Evan could hear was the bubbling of the monster blood and the pounding in his heart. All eyes were on Sarah Beth as she rose up, stretched, and grew. She grew and changed shape and became human. With shadowy arms and legs in eerie darkness. Sarah Beth was now a young woman with fiery red hair, pale skin, and yellow eyes. The same cat eyes that Evan had been bothered by since he arrived. She was dressed in a swirling black gown that went down to her ankles. She stood in the doorway and stared at Catherine. You see, she's the one. The next words were intended only for Sarah Beth. Your spell over me is broken. I will do no more work for you. Sarah Beth tossed her red hair behind her shoulders and laughed. I'll decide what you'll do, Catherine. No, Catherine insisted. For 20 years you used me. For 20 years you imprisoned me here, held me in your spell. Now I'm using this monster blood to escape. Sarah Beth laughed again. There is no escape. All of you must die now. All of you. Catherine turned to Evan, her eyes in fear. 20 years ago, I thought she was my friend. I was all alone and thought I could trust her. But she cast a spell on me, and then another. Her dark magic made me deaf. She refused to let me lip-read or learn to sign. It's how she kept me prisoner. But she raised a finger to her lips to silence Evan. Sarah Beth forced me to cast a spell on the can of monster blood. She warned me that I was allowed no guests. I was her slave, her personal servant. She wanted me all to herself to do her bidding. When you arrived, she first decided to scare you away, but that was impossible. You had nowhere to go. Then she just wanted to get you out of the way. She was terrified you would learn her secret and somehow free me. So Sarah Beth decided you had to die. I am sorry, Evan. I had no choice. I had no will of my own, but I'm not doing this anymore. I will plunge myself into the monster blood, Sarah Beth, and end your spell and end your hold over me. The children will still die, Sarah Beth would say. Catherine's eyes filled with fury now. I will be gone, Sarah Beth. Let the children go. There's no reason to harm them. Sarah Beth said they know too much, and her eyes began to glow. Evan whispered to Andy, they have to get out of here. The green blob began to heave. Sarah Beth was blocking the doorway. So Evan's eyes looked around the room, looking for escape route. Sarah Beth raised one hand and drew it toward her slowly, as if summoning the blob. It quivered once, then twice, then moved obediently at her in her direction. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I know it's it's supposed to be terrifying, but I keep seeing blobby. <laughs> oh blobby. <laughs> sorry. We love blobby. We love Blommy. <clears throat> Catherine pleaded with Sarah Beth to stop, but of course she ignored her. 
She commanded the blob to kill the children. It picked up speed and rolled across the carpet toward Evan and Andy. Evan suggested they rush the door, thinking they'll just maybe push past her, but Andy wasn't so sure. Maybe one of us can get by her. We're going to be sucked in. We have to try. And Sarah Beth screamed again to kill the children. Blob rolled forward, and Evan was feeling all hope go away. He was frozen in place as if he weighed a thousand pounds. Andy grabbed his hand, closed their eyes, and held their breath and waited for the impact of the blood. But to their surprise, it emitted a deafening roar. Evan opened his eyes and was staring at the doorway beyond Sarah Beth. The monster blood didn't roar, it was triggered. The huge dog was pounding into the doorway, its deafening bark off the low, up deafening bark echoing off the ceiling. Sarah Beth tried to get out of his way, but she was too late. Thrilled to see Evan, he enthusiastically leapt at Sarah Beth and pushed her. Under the weight of his paws, Sarah Beth staggered forward, forward, a little too far forward, until she collided with the monster blood. There was a wet smack as Sarah Beth hit the surface, then loud, disgusting sucking noises. Her hands hit first and disappeared quickly, and then Sarah Beth was in up to her elbows. It seemed to give a hard tug as her body hit the surface, then her face was pulled in, smothering her. Trigger was completely unaware of what he had done, and the dog was just looking for Evan. As he jumped up and down, leaping on him, he began to shrink. He didn't seem to notice he was changing and just kept looking Evan's face as Evan held on tightly. A few moments later, Trigger was back to normal size, and the glob of monster blood was shrinking too. Evan turned to see that the green glob was growing smaller. And it shrunk, the Bamers twins fell to the floor. They didn't move. They were laying face down in a crumpled heap, but their eyes staring lifelessly and didn't appear to be breathing. Andy held on to Evan and they stared at the monster blood, expecting Sarah Beth to come out. But Sarah Beth was gone. She had vanished. The monster blood, back in its original size, lay lifeless, a dull green spot on the carpet about the size of a tennis ball. The Bamer brothers stood up uncertain, their eyes still in terror and confusion. They left the house without a word, slamming the door behind them. Catherine went toward Evan and put an arm around her, him and Andy. Sarah Beth was gone. And I can hear, Catherine said jubilantly. Sarah Beth and her spells are gone for good. But just as she said this, the screen door swung open and a shadowy figure appeared in the living room doorway. Who is it? Who is the, in the doorway? Mom. You're right. It was Yeah, mom. she was going to come get him. <laughs> she missed all the excitement. What well, you know. Earth is going we don't expect mom to parent. Right. What on earth is going on here? Why did those two boys come running out of the house? They were scared to death. Evan just said, it's hard to explain. I'm so glad to see you. And Trigger was jumping up and down and whimpering in excitement. And Catherine said, I'll make some tea. I have a really long story to tell you. 
Uh, hope it isn't too long, glancing at Evan. They have a four o'clock plane to catch. But Evan said, Mom, you'll find this story interesting. And the two left for the kitchen. Andy and Evan plopped down on the couch. Well, I guess you're going forever, Andy said. I mean, to Atlanta and everything. Evan asked, feeling awkwardly, if, uh, you know, maybe they could be pen pals. He'd like to write letters to her. And Andy said, yeah, that sounds good. And my dad has a phone credit card. Maybe get the number and call you. <laughs> Evan thought that sounded great. And Evan and Andy asked for a small favor, which Evan said, sure, what? It's going to sound strange, but can I have a little bit of monster blood that's left as a memento or something? He's like, sure, I don't want it. Take it. So they both turned their eyes to where it come to rest on the carpet. But it was gone. The end. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. I love this one. Mm-hmm. This is great. Like it's, it's um, it's it's super solid. Like it's very you can see the street and the you know the mean kids and like it's um, yeah you you can identify with this kid for some reason. I don't know why. Yeah, but you you're right there with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, very good. Did not expect the twist, although I thought the cat was sus. Um, <laughs> I thought I really thought it was going to end up being Andy somehow. Oh, okay. Uh, Like she was a kid. Yeah, yeah. Kid. Some. But yeah, that's very plausible that she was like she randomly found him on the street and became his friend. Yeah. 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 Weird story. Totally. Like maybe the that's like she sure. hates the twins and like this is her yeah. like mm-hmm. well thought out plan or right. something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm no, not I gonna lie, I wanted the twins to die, but <laughs> I did too. Yeah, the twins kind of suck. Um mm-hmm. I kept bouncing back and forth between Blobby, like in the moments where the uh the monster blood was kind of playful and like jumping around and bouncing around and quivering and stuff. Yeah. Um, and then you know, the 1985 Blob is like one of my favorite movies. Like it's it's up there. Um, yeah, I really adore that movie. So I kept like thinking back to that, and I'm like, break out the break out the liquid nitrogen. Like go, go get it. Like I, we know how to do this. But uh, yeah, rats. I'm trying to see, see how many Monster Blood books there are. I think there are more than I know exist actually. So. There is, there is, so there's number three, there's two, three, for sure. Okay. I think because I have, two is the one I actually more vividly remember because it has a very ugly hamster on the front and it always made me laugh. It's like ugly ass hamster. That's the one I think I remember more frequently, more uh, vividly. So there's two, three. Four, and then there's Monster Blood is back, which is part of Slappy World. So that's pretty okay. on the more recent, not recent, recent, but on the recent end of things. <laughs> so right. there's a lot of Monster Blood. <laughs> you know, these yeah. early books have a very like 
real Twilight Zone uh, feel yeah. to them. And I think that's why we like them so much and we can identify with oh. them as it is. It's very surreal in a, in a nightmarish kind of way. Uh-huh. Okay, so actually Slappy, so Monster Blood is back, actually was published in 2021. In March oh, wow. of 2021, Monster Blood is back. Still churning out. these out. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at his uh, his book, his website right now because I was curious um, about the other ones. And yeah, Monster Blood is just actually came back. And there's like Return to Fear Street books on here too. I've seen those. I haven't dipped a toe. I'm afraid. I don't. Yeah, they could be poop. Sometimes I will hold off on things because I'm like, you know, I just I have a connection and I feel like. Right. There's some cool art on them. There's some cool art. It would be interesting to see how they translate to like modern references because we're just yeah. so used to them being nostalgic and like set in different time periods. It might be interesting right. to see like his take on like a modern world Fear Street. Yeah. But is he actually writing those or is it like Yeah, he's writing them. Okay. I mean, it was in 2019, okay. but he's writing them, yeah. Hmm. Well, oh, we might have to like man. see see what's going yeah, on. Yeah, I mean as we get down the road, see what's Right. There. But then they also show like the begin like some of the older um, it's just called the R.L. Stein bookshelf. That's what I'm looking at. Huh. And there's like different ones we read before. Like here's Killer's Kiss and Runaway. Uh, once we've read Night Games. Did we do Night Games yet? Yeah, we did Night did Games. Remember because yeah, we, we made fun games. of it because we thought it sounded like porn? Yes. <laughs> That's yes. the one that had so, that weird twist at the end where the guy was like a dead body. Like reanimated. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. That was good. So there's some we've got. Like, what Holly heard. We got. We've mm-hmm. done that one. We've done that one. Yeah. I gotta go look so at the shelf. Sort of... See what mm-hmm. we're gonna do next. So there is definitely at least four Monster Bloods that came out in the '90s ish time, and then we've gotten the most recent one in 2021, which is crazy. So Monster Blood three was published in 1995. Where's Monster Blood four? Just saw it. It seems kind of irritating because it's not in order. <laughs> it's just it's random. I should piggyback this one with the blob that ate everything. Your favorite. But what's okay. the difference then? Like, so you already went down the know. blob avenue. Are we going like, well, to like get to watch really them dissolve in acid? Is that what's going to happen? <laughs> so I, we can have a spoiler, but apparently in Monster Blood 4, the monster blood is now blue, so it changes. Uh, okay. Well, you know, it's it's older now. It's more mature. It's been through some things. <laughs> it's older. Yeah, it's, it's only I'm natural. I'm looking at just beyond, and you are that person was right. There's none of these look like any of the shows that we've watched. There's. Just Beyond the Scare School, Just Beyond Horror at Happy Landings, Just Beyond Welcome to Beast Island, and Just Beyond Monstrosity. Mm, yeah, they said it was like it wasn't actually based on that, which is kind of yep. lame. Um, but whatever, mm. there's only like a few more left of those. So after we cover yeah. those, we can move on to something else. Yep. Well, anyway, that's my tangent about Monster Blood. So if we like this one, Maybe we'll continue 
this mm, let us know yeah definitely let us know mm-hmm. yeah. i because i liked yeah, it i did do- enjoy it this is this is definitely an old school feel it takes you right back to being that kid like even in that moment where like he's getting beat up by these twins it's like oh and then and there's like parents yeah. are nowhere around that i mean that's very indicative like there's definitely like those moments as from your childhood where like some shit is going down and parents are nowhere and you are on your own (laughs) like so yeah i think that was that was interesting like i was kind of already rooting for him but after that i was like all right kid come on (laughs) he had to he had to step it up i mean in this case the parents were actually not even that big of the problem because she kind of did what most parents would do, which is like, I'm sorry, you cannot come with us to Atlanta. We have to leave you somewhere, you know? So, I didn't understand why he couldn't go. Like it's, uh, are yeah. you house hunting in the dark jungle? I'm very confused. I, <laughs> I took my four year old and like two year old <laughs> looking at houses before. I don't understand why he can't go. Yeah, I'm not sure why. I didn't really, you know, say why he can't go. But I mean, I guess, you know, you don't want to be saddled with a kid. So you're like, I got, we got to do this quick Unless style. he's like a shit that doesn't listen yeah. and you did a bad job raising yeah. him and he can't like behave himself yeah. for five minutes. So you but can But they have the through. dog too. So the dog can't get on the plane and all that too. So I think it's like, it's going to just be easier if he stays, you know, behind. With a total they stranger. they the dog to consider. Yeah. Well, she wasn't a stranger. She was his great aunt, and she was a witch. So, <laughs> or but didn't whatever. he say she he like witches. never met her before? He had never. He thought he met her when she he was little, but that was it. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. He had. She had babysat his dad many times when he was okay. He well, was that makes a little more sense. So, mm-hmm. like, there's yeah. some like trust established. It's not like some yes. long lost relative that no one's ever seen or heard of <laughs> that you like made a no. connection with on Ancestry.com because yes. you're super duper uber <laughs> platinum level, and you're like, hey, we're related. Want to take my kid for like a month? I'm you. Yes. You look cool. It's fine. Luckily, it wasn't that situation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, that is the end of Monster Blood. But if you guys liked it, let us know in the reviews. Mm -hmm. Leave a review and tell us that you want more Monster Blood. And we can give you at least four books and possibly five if we find that 2021 one and read the newest one. That's it. Until next time, we're out. Like the Monster Blood out of its original container. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Good night. Bye. Bye.